Welcome to Whitewater, the most exciting place on Sunday. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. This is a place you can belong before you believe. And that simply means you can explore faith at your own pace here. You can build friendships even before you believe. And we're a Jesus-centered community, so we want to be a community that, that is looking more and more like Jesus, uh, that he's, he's the, um, the model, he's the center of what we do. And uh, Jesus didn't come here to create a, a church that's like a fashion show or a university for head knowledge. He came to create a, a church that's a hospital for sick and broken people. This is a place where people who have all kinds of baggage in their life are growing and learning and changing and being healed. So if you're not perfect, you came to the right place. We're so glad to have you. Um, that 80s motif, man, like the Stranger Things, you know, it pulls on the Goonies, all these things from my childhood, E.T., Flight of the Navigator, like you guys know some of these sweet, you go back and watch them, you're like, oh, maybe it's not as good a movie as I thought it was, but man, in my heart, it's still this amazing, this nostalgia. Um, we had my daughter watch E.T. for the first time this last week. She had never seen E.T., the extraterrestrial, and um, this is a wonderful movie. If you haven't seen it, then... I'm a little concerned about you. Um, It's about this boy uh, and his family going through the loss and healing of divorce. And it's and it's told from the, from the eyes of this boy who meets this alien who ha- helps the family heal. This is an amazing story. Some of you guys are like that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's an amazing thing. My daughter was watching about in the first third of the movie. She leans over and she's, you know, she's seen ET and she sees what he's doing. She's like, is he going to eat someone? And I'm like, no, he's a friendly alien. She was like terrified of him. Uh, some of you guys are judging me right now. Um, you shouldn't let your daughter see that. She's 20. No, I'm just kidding. She's six years old. Uh, it was a little scary for her, but she loved the end of the movie. It was awesome. Uh, let me say a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Um, Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to come here today just celebrating life. We're so grateful for the life you give us, for the relationships we have. God, I just pray that uh, any person that has walked through these, this building that feels unworthy or feels like there's just too much going on in life, they're having a hard time handling life, Lord, I just pray that you would help them focus on your goodness, on your grace today. God, open our hearts, focus our hearts on you. In Jesus' name, amen. So growing up, I've noticed there are two types of families. Uh, this is growing up uh, on, on my street, growing up with my friends, growing up in church. And, and this is true whether you're a you know, Christian or a church person or you've never been involved with church and, and your family wasn't involved with church, I think there's two kinds of families. There's one kind of family where uh, words of affirmation and encouragement can be withheld. There's family, this type of family, parents will withhold um, encouragement and withhold words of affirmation. Uh, sometimes there can be favoritism and this kind of family can begin to have splits in it. Uh, they can have, um, if whenever like there's a perception of, of favoritism um, and when there's a withholding of, of blessing and of encouragement, there can be, become jealousy and envy in the family between kids and, and there can be competition between the kids. Like if that person's successful, successful in the family, if my brother, my sister or whoever's successful, then it means I'm a failure. So there, there can be kind of this envious competition that starts to form. And, and over the years, what I've noticed in a, in a family that, that has that type of culture uh, in it, um, the, 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 the division can become deeper and deeper. 
And so later in life, you see the, the family isn't as close. And, and when there's wounds, they're not healed. Like there's not restoration. There's more like retribution. And, and later in life, when the family has to come together around uh, maybe hard, hardship, maybe there's a funeral, maybe there's a health thing, there can be a lot of turmoil in that family. There's other families that are shaped a little differently, and, and, the, and it starts with the top. It starts with the parents. The parents are generous with their words of affirmation and encouragement. Not so much so that it's not meaningful, but it's meaningful encouragement, meaningful building up of their kids. Uh, they, there's, a, there's a desire for the whole family to help each other in their gifts, and there's not a desire to make a child or make a brother and sister have to fit a certain mold. The family, they see gifts and they want those gifts to flourish in each individual. And it's not about the money. Like you might have someone who's, who isn't going to make a lot of money but they're, because their gift set is in an area that they're not going to make a lot of money in, but they're passionate about it and there's a joy there. And, and instead of being like the family where the, someone's success means my failure, their success is my success because we're a family. Do you guys know the, the difference between those two approaches? Anybody grown up in the family, the first family, and been in that environment? Anybody been in a family environment where it's, it's uh, encouraging and it's building up? Well, I want to talk about the church as a family. We've been talking about the church as an inclusive family, that God is including all people, no matter our brokenness, anybody that would come to him can come. Anybody. Everybody can come to him. Uh, it's, a, it's an unlikely family, a diverse family. A, it's a family that will have tensions. Uh, inclusion doesn't mean there's no tension or disagreement. There's disagreement, there's tension, but it's a transforming family because God is changing every single one of us. How many, how many of you, people in here would f- say, like, I have it figured out. I'm at the destination I wanted to get to in life. I I've, I've pretty much have a, a perfect life. Anybody in here? No, we're all figuring this out. We're all on that journey. And so God is transforming us all at our own pace. It's a wonderful thing. Last week we talked about being a gifted family, that God has gifted each and every one of you with gifts that he wants you to use in your life. Today I want to talk about being an empowering family that empowers those gifts. Not being the family that withholds, not being a church family because the church is not an organ, uh, organization, it's not just like a corporation. The church is a family and Jesus, uh, it teaches us that his heavenly father is our father. We want to be a family that builds people up. So my question today is how do we have an empowering family? How do we as a church be an empowering family to each other? Not just a church where you come in, you get your religious fix, but like, oh, I felt good, did some worship, and you leave. How do you actually build into the lives of others? How do you have brothers and sisters and know that they're brothers and sisters and love each other and, and call out the gifts in each other? How do we do that? Well, we're going to look at a story about a man named Barnabas and how he did this. And I think there's three, there's a lot of components to this, but there's three that really stand out to me. If you have notes, uh, you might want to take these down, but it's, it's simply this, inquire, um, embrace, and encourage. Now we'll cover those, so uh, we'll, we'll go through those and what those mean, but inquire, embrace, and encourage. We're going to be starting with inquire. Some of you guys are like, that's spelt with an E, that's, it's supposed to be an I. Some of you guys spell checkers are like, that's not right. 
out right now. No, I'm just kidding. I actually looked this up. It's totally fine. The English and higher, the higher English uses the E. It's like a, like a really like in-depth questioning, not just like a light questioning, like with an I inquire. It's an E inquire. So um, the first thing is inquire. If you, if you have your Bible, you can turn to this. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Chapter 11 is going to be our primary text we look at. We will look at a few others. But Acts chapter 11, you can follow on the screen behind me. And starting in verse 21, it talks about a church that, that is beginning to grow up out of nowhere in the least likely place imaginable. Um, this is the, at the point in history where Jesus had empowered his disciples and said, you are going to be my witnesses. You are going to be launching the church. Go. And then Jesus went home with his heavenly father and empowered his disciples in their gifting to launch the church. And the church launched. And it was like they couldn't control it. And it's, uh, there's a church that starts up in the least likely place. In verse 21, it says, a large number who believed uh, turned to the Lord. Now, news about this group of believers reached the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent out Barnabas, a guy named Barnabas. We'll learn more about him as we go through this this talk. They sent out a a man named Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch to learn about these new believers, and here's the problem. Like, in most of the church's mindset at this point is like, you were Jewish to become Christian. Like, if you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, but you were Jewish, But all of a sudden, they were seeing the Spirit transform people who were not Jewish. Uh, Phoenicians, you know, Greeks, people in the Roman Empire, people who didn't, you know, pray the way uh, Jews prayed. They didn't uh, wear what Jews wore. They didn't wear or they didn't even um, read and know the scriptures like the Jewish Christians did. Does that make sense? So now there's this tension. Like, can they be in? Is God really at work in these people? Like, are they, should they stay outsiders? What's going on? So they sent Barnabas to go figure this out. They sent Barnabas to go and inquire, to inquire. And when he arrived, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a large number of people were added to the Lord. Now, this is a really important um, text, a really important text. Um, how many people are, are Jewish or, or probably practice Messianic Jewish Christianity? Come from a Jewish background? Not many. That's probably what I, that's kind of what I figured. So this is a big verse for you and me because this was the Jewish Christians coming to a, really coming to realize that Gentiles, non-Jews, were a part of this whole Jesus thing. That you and I could be part of this. Isn't that cool? So here we go. Um, Barnabas goes to inquire about this church. What's happening? Is this good? Is this bad? And so he is sent to see. Now in Proverbs verse 20, this is a a verse I think is really important. This is why inquiry, this is why going and checking out, this is why going and seeing for yourself uh, in people and in situations is so important. The, The purpose of a person's heart, this is Proverbs 25, the purpose of a, uh, of a per- person's heart are deep waters. But one who has insight, one who has wisdom, draws them out. You could also say the strengths of a person are deep water. But the one who has insight will draw them out. Barnabas went not to go see what was wrong, but to go see what God was doing, what was right. And he drew out 
the grace and goodness of God. So, so watch how this happens. There's this inquiry. There's this asking of, of gifting and, and, and seeing what, what is going on here. You realize how important um, empowering people is? Have you ever had someone take an interest in your life? Like someone who you respect take an interest in your life? Remember when I was working with youth, um, work with the high school and middle school uh, age kids, and in middle school and high school, that's when like everyone's growing at a crazy different pace. You got kids that haven't hit any growth spurt, uh, you know, and by the, you know, in a year they could be a foot taller, you know, and you got kids that have like hit the growth spurt, you know, all the changes are happening, but they're like not fully grown in their body and they don't know how to like they don't know how to coexist and be social yet or their voices are cracking. All kinds of stuff are happening at this age, right? Uh, this is the age where like social groups are changing. Like the group you grew up with, all of a sudden there's some people that become cool or like they, they connect with other people and you thought this was your friend group and then they're gone and, and now you're alone. And, uh, and that's, that's happening all, the, all over the place. And at this age, it's really important to, to encourage and empower kids because there's so much insecurity. Um, and I, I know that insecurity remains in high school and middle school. None of us probably struggle with any insecurity, right? None of us deal with that now as adults. We've got it all, all that figured out. But with these kids, I, I remember the a perfect example of this, of learning, I, one of the most important things I had to learn was to inquire, ask, and see the gifts of others and to begin drawing that out. There's one kid named Miles who's really tall, real gangly kid, came in. He's probably a freshman when he came into our church or, or, um, or sophomore into our youth group. And he, he hadn't quite grown into his body. He was really thin, super tall, and a little awkward. And um, I, I remember meeting him. Miles, this really sharp kid. He was really funny. Like when I would start talking with him, he would know things that like you're like, college students don't know this. Like he was brilliant. And it come, come to find out, like, he, he just he had family that were really smart people. And uh, he'd grown up in a family that, that loved him, but they, were, they would, had nothing to do with God. So social, Darwinist background, didn't know anything about God. But when he came to the group, it was really cool to see him start to integrate. And one thing uh, with his, the awkwardness is I was like, I want to help him. I want to draw out the, the good that God's given him. So, I, you know, what do you like? Do you like sports? No, I don't like sports. Do you like school? Nope, don't like school. You know, like, what, what do you like? Nothing. You know, like, because they're in high school. They're not going to share with me. So I'm trying to draw this stuff out. And he's hilarious. When I'm talking with him, he's cracking jokes left and right that are like, they're so funny and witty. And I was like, we, we had this improv group where, you know, like, whose line is it anyway in our youth group? And we did improv. And at certain events, they would actually do improv. And I was like, hey, have you ever thought about being in improv? He's like, no. I was like, you should, you should check out the improv group we have. I think you'd be awesome at it. No, no. I, I talked with him a little more. I was like, come on, you should do this. It would be awesome. And uh, I kept hitting him up for this improv group. And finally, he went and he started doing improv with that group. Fast forward to the Christmas celebration. We had a hundred, you know, high schoolers show up to this Christmas celebration, and and we were kicking it off with the improv group. And Miles kicked off the whole thing, and I hadn't, you know, seen his improvements or his development in improv. And he got up in front of everybody. This thin, gangly kid. He looked out, and he was super awkward. I was like, Oh no, this is going to go terrible. This is going to kill his confidence, not build it up. And he's like, Hi, everyone. I want to welcome you to the annual Christmas event. If you're new, hi. You know, it's just like super awkward. Everybody else, hi. 
And it was just like, I was like, oh no, kind of awkward. And he's like, um, thanks for having me. And then all of a sudden music came on and he started lip singing and physical comedy, like movements and gyrations. I had never seen come out of this kid. His, he was like six, two, six, three, just started coming out and he ended up jumping on a table and like in the middle of this whole thing, doing a lip sing that was hilarious. The, the, the room was roaring with laughter as this hilarity came out of this guy. It was so amazing to see the gifts and strengths come out, get drawn out, and to be seen and to be known. Have you ever had that in your life? Where some of the people see, and you might be quiet, you don't have to be a comedian, but your gift's coming out. It's so important. Can you, can you guys watch this video? This is a friend of mine who has a real, real skill set for drawing out the gifts in others. Well, I'm here with uh, Lobaki. He's a longtime pastor and servant of uh, his neighbors, friends, and city. And uh, Lowell, one of the, you've got a lot of gifts, but one of the, the gifts that is real prominent in your life is, is awakening and drawing out the gifts of other people. Would you just tell us, like, how do you do that? How can we do that as a young church, better and better, better drawing and, and awakening the gifts in other people? Well, I think what you want me to say <laughs> is the role of a pastor is not to get people to do what they want to do, what you want them to do. But I wrestled, even when I graduated from seminary, I didn't know if I was going to become a coach or a pastor. And I spent six months wrestling with that issue. Do I go back to college and become a college basketball coach or do I become a pastor? And it dawned on me that maybe I could do both Mm. by being a pastor who cared about what the people were called to do and put together teams based on the callings of people rather than upon my passion and my gifts. Mm. And so I think uh, I was all the way through life. The model was, it was not about the leader. It was about the leader calling out people and asking basic questions. And there were really two simple questions. We had to listen to what people answer, how they answer. Mm. But the basic question is, what are you called to do? What are you gifted to do? What do you have a passion to do? Mm. And then how could I help you accomplish that? Wow. Those two questions help unlock people. And, and, uh, and it just briefly touch on listening to people's stories. Uh, so often we, as a pastor, we think they're here to listen to us. Why would anybody listen to us if we haven't first listened to them? Jesus listened mm. to Mary, listened to Zacchaeus, listened. There's a listening component. Mm. And if you can major on listening, mm. you will be able to call forth what they're crying out for and empower them mm. to accomplish what they're going to do. Does this apply to you if you're not a pastor? It, it's It's... And any leadership role, any pastor, a parent, doesn't make any difference where you are. It's whoever has the, the time. Are you talking about yourself? Or are you talking about the person who's next to you? Are you listening to what they want to say? Or are you making sure what you get to want to say, they're hearing? 
That's what we like to call a drop the mic moment. I think uh, the sermon's done. Y'all can go home. That was amazing. Um, Lowell, thank you so much for sharing your heart and, and, a, and a little bit of your gifting. Um, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Blessings, friend. It's my friend Lowell. Guy has a pastor's heart. You guys just feel that from him? Um, it's, you could say that Lowell is a lot like Barnabas. I want to do something as a church family. In the last few weeks since we were practicing family, we've taken time to just talk together and take moments even in the sermon. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to give us a moment to practice unlocking the gifts in other people. One of the first things is if you're going to inquire or you're going to see and investigate what are, the, what are the gifts that people have, you have to learn to get over any kind of social awkwardness or fear and just ask people sometimes, like, what are you gifted? What are you passionate about? So what I want us to do to practice this, I want you to look at, and I want you to talk with someone you, you don't know, preferably, or don't know as well. Um, so maybe a little bit out of our comfort zone, but just talk with someone around you that maybe you don't know. And, um, by, and by, just look at their face. Just looking, by looking at their face, I want you to guess what their weaknesses are. I'm just joking. I'm totally kidding. There are a few people that were like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, no, don't look at me. I'm just kidding. So what I want you to do is uh, get up and ask uh, someone, what are, they, what are they passionate and gifted in? What, what, are the, what are their passions and gifts? That's that simple. Um, and if you get asked, answer. Give, uh, try to keep it brief so, so the other person can answer your question, and then we'll come back together. Sound good? Ready? Go. All right. Let's bring it together. Uh, what I'd love to hear are some of the gifts that you guys found uh, around you. And last week we talked about, we let people kind of share their gifts. What I want to hear is about the people around you, uh, people around you. So what gifts did we find out that are around us? Yeah. Hosting. hosting. How many of you guys uh, love hospitality and hosting? Oh, yeah. Okay, everybody go to their homes today after church. <laughs> They've probably got something already cooking. This is great. What else? Yeah. Serenading and calming people down. I would love to be calmed down with a serenade right now. Ready, go. No, I'm just kidding. That's amazing. That's awesome. Some people have that calming effect. They're able to kind of like uh, de-escalate situations. That's incredible. What else? What's that? Sports. Man, we got, some, we got some jocks, some athletes in the house. That's, those are great gifts. That's awesome. What else? Kids. Uh, kids. The gift of like having kids or like being good. <laughs> we got some big families in here. I just need to check. They're like, yeah, I got 10 kids and they're in children's right now. But pe- ensuring kids have like the, the opportunities that, that life can bring them and ensuring that they have yeah. a chance to do like awesome, awesome things. A passion to help the next generation. I love that. Uh, and can we give a hand to all of the people who work with our kids and help them? I appreciate you guys. And parents, that is so, so cool. I saw another hand go up real quick. Skills that can either be really complimentary or flash depending on how open you are working together. So put it in one nugget. Complimentary skills. skills. You like to come alongside and support. That is incredible. Some people just have that knack and they're able to like see and help and actually be helpful. I have that gift where I can see and then I come along and they're like, that's not helpful. So, <laughs> what else? I'll go for it. Passion for helping just manage kids, I guess, kids in 
Yes, like have a heart for those who are like, and they have compassionate hearts and compassionate lives to help those who might have, not have the advantages they do. That's huge. Anything else? What else? Go ahead. What's that? Creativity? Yeah, that's great. Like my sister is like, and my daughter have just these creative gifts. It's wonderful to see that drawn out in people. My life would be way more boring if I didn't have gifted people like that in my life. What else? And what's her name? Now, and she has the she has uh, an anger issue. You were saying? No, I'm just kidding. I was the gift of anger to this. No, that is awesome. She's bringing her principles into the entrepreneurship. That is incredible. One more. Serving and mentorship. You guys see like all these gifts in and around us, and we can be so blind and so unaware of them. If we want to be a church that's a thriving church, that's seeing transformation, um, we have to be a church that awakens that, sees that in other people. So the, the other element that we see with Barnabas is that he, all these gifts that we're, we just heard here, like if Barnabas came to our church, was on our stage, and he was looking out here, he would embrace the gifts of, of everybody here. He would, and not only the gifts, but also the weaknesses. Like, uh, let me read this. Um, it says here in verse 23, when Barnabas arrived, he saw the grace of God and was glad. He wasn't bummed out. He wasn't sad like, oh, like they have these gifts. Like, why don't we have these gifts? Why don't I have these gifts? He was glad. He embraced them. And, and I think it's really important to recognize that, that envy eats empowerment. Envy eats encouragement. Like when we're envious of somebody, it blinds us to our strengths and to other people's strengths. And there's like this competition thing that comes. And then we don't wanna encourage somebody and let them know because if they're successful, I can't be successful. And so it like brings things down. But if you have a family and a church family that, that aren't envious, we're glad when we see somebody else's success and we see their gifts and we see their strengths. It's not a competition, we're a family. Like their success is our success. Their strengths are now our strengths because we're a family. Do you see the difference? I just think that is so important. Barnabas could have been like bummed out. He's like, look at all the gifts here. Like, why don't we have that back home? Like, God, why? And, and, and he could have been looking at it the wrong way, but he was looking to see the strengths. So why was he glad? It was because he embraced the grace. He embraced the grace. I want to encourage us to be a church that embraces grace. When he arrived, it says he saw the grace of God and was glad. Grace isn't just forgiveness, which a lot of times when Christians talk about grace, that's what they think of as forgiveness. Grace is so much bigger than that. Like it includes forgiveness, but it's like all the things that were just mentioned here, creativity, uh, compassion, um, mentorship, entrepreneurship, gifts of, uh, of helping the next generation. All these things are graces of God. They're gifts. They're gifts that God has given us. Do we embrace them? And, and how do we embrace grace amongst us? amongst our church well it says when he arrived he showed up and he saw he saw the grace he took time to see it he wasn't looking for what was wrong 
Uh, he was looking for what God was doing, what was right, what was good. Uh, Barna, it's really easy for anybody to walk into a family, walk into a, a job site, walk into a church, and see all the problems, see all what's wrong. Isn't that easy? We can walk in and see issues in people and look at that person and like, I know. We can, it's so easy to see their past rather than someone's future. So easy to see the problem rather than the solution. And Barnabas, he, he, it wasn't like he was blind to problems that people had, but he focused on the good and the gold and their gifts. There, in the New Testament, one, one writer said um, that, that humans are like cracked jars of clay with treasure inside. And yes, we can see the brokenness, but can we see the blessing inside the brokenness? I'm telling you, that's a church that will change the world. That's a church that will change the world. Barnabas saw the grace of God, embraced it, and was glad. He was glad. A great example of, of this is with a guy named Saul. Saul was a guy who hated the church, persecuted the church, fought the church, and then met God, and then started building the church, planting churches. He actually wrote a third of the New Testament. He went from Saul to Paul. Now, when he was changed, when, when that day where he was changed from hating and fighting the church, throwing Christians in prison, and then he, then he switched teams and realized, oh, I, I need to stop fighting Jesus, I need to join his team, um, he tried to join the church. Now, listen to this. This is in Acts chapter 9. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, um, he tried to meet with the believers, he tried to meet with the church, um, but how do you think they responded? They were all afraid of him, it says. They did not believe that he had, be, he had truly become a believer. There are people like, you threw my aunt into prison. Like, you hate the church. You've been trying to kill the church. I don't trust you. Could you imagine if Paul, this guy who becomes Paul, his name is Saul, who wrote the third of the New Testament, planted a ton of churches with Gentile, non-Jewish people, if he had never been accepted into the church. If he had been like, nope, you can't come in. We're afraid of you. But in verse 27, check this out. Then Barnabas, he shows up in chapter 9, Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. And he told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. He, he's, he's telling the story. He inquired, and it's just showing he inquired and looked and asked and took the time to hear the story of Saul when everybody else was afraid. He was looking for the gifts. He was looking for the grace to be embraced. Isn't that incredible? And in it, he's like, he tells a story. Look at the Lord met him and the Lord's changed him. He's not the same person. He was preaching the gospel. This man was fighting the gospel and fighting Jesus. And I saw him preaching for Jesus and preaching for the gospel. He's saying this man's bold. He's, he's got courage. Yeah, he was wrong for a while, but now he's on our team. We need to embrace him. We need to embrace that God, the, the grace that God has given him. And notice that Barnabas is sharing his gifts. Preaching was one of Paul's gifts. Do you think that preaching played a role in the rest of his ministry in the New Testament? He changed life upon life upon life because one man wasn't afraid to embrace him. One man didn't just look at his past. He looked at his future. He looked at his present. He looked at what God was doing. Are we people who are look so worried about the problem in people's past that we're missing their present and their future. Think about your friends. Think about your families. Think about our church. When was the last time 
you called out the strengths and gifts of other people? When was the last time you were, you were actually trying to be interested in others rather than being interesting to everybody? One of the things Lowell said is listen. Jesus listened. Listen to the stories and the lives of other people. Listen to them. This is how we become encouragers. I want to close on this concept of encouragement. You can put this down in your notes. The last element of of being a, a church that empowers people is that we become encouragers. We encourage. And that's taking the inquiry, the asking and the drawing out of gifts. It's taking the embracing of, of somebody, loving somebody, and seeing the good in them even when they can't see the good in themselves. And then it's speaking that into existence. Encouragement is seeing the strengths and then saying the strengths. You can't encourage somebody well and specifically if you don't speak it, if you don't say it. And this is moving from the family that withholds our words of affirmation and encouragement and becoming the family and the family of God that speaks it. It says, I see tremendous gifting in you. I I see how you love people. I see compassion in you. I see a purpose in you. I see an ability with business. I see an ability um, with people. I see an ability with numbers. I see whatever it is, I see that in you and God wants to use that in you. He's created you for that. Imagine uh, our church family, what God will do if we're awakening the gifts in each other. We're not waiting on somebody else. We're not waiting on the pastor or the pastors. We are, are encouraging the people of God. When he arrived, it says this in verse 24, when, when Barnabas arrived, he saw the grace of God. He embraced it. And he was glad, not sad. He was glad. He wasn't envious. And what does it say? He encouraged all of them. He spoke words of encouragement. Wow, look what God's doing. Remember, this is a guy who's coming to a bunch of people who don't pray like his, his background. Don't act like they're not Jewish. They're not practicing Jewish practices and prayers. They're not wearing Jewish clothing. They're not reading the Torah. They don't know the Torah stories, the Old Testament stories. They don't know this stuff. And he's not like, ah, oh, that disqualifies you. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. He's like, wow, look what God is doing in you. Unbelievable. He encourages them. When you see the gifts and strengths, say the gifts and strengths. Can you guys commit to that? Saying what you see, the good. Now, I want, I want to just dig in this last moment on who Barnabas was. Do you guys know his backstory? I wanted to wait to reveal his backstory because I think it's really important. In verse 36 of chapter 4 in the book of Acts, we learn a little bit about our friend. It says there's a man, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth. Do you, know, do you guys know who Joseph is in the book of Acts? It's Barnabas. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, uh, he's by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas which was translated, it's a nickname. Barnabas was his nickname. It meant the son of encouragement, the encourager. He was so encouraging with his life, 
with his words, with his actions, like his whole spirit embodied this encouragement that people were just like, Bar- you're Barnabas. We're not going to call you your, your real name, your, your given name. You're not Joseph. You're Barnabas. You are the son of encouragement. What if you became such an encourager in the life of people, so good at seeing the grace, embracing the grace in other people, drawing it out, seeing the goodness of God, the blessing in the brokenness? What if you became so good that you and I, we became known as Barnabas? Like People are like, just call them an encourager. When I'm around him, I feel inspired. When I'm around him, I feel like, like God's there, man. He, like that I'm loved, that I'm cared for. Do you know what a Levite, it says Joseph, a Levite. Barnabas was a Levite. Do you know what that is? A Levite is a special class of Israelite or, or Jew. They were, um, they could trace their roots, their, their tribe back to being the, the, the people of the temple. They took care of the temple. They were like high class temple people. Like they were the top of society. They were wealthy. They had influence. Um, they were, they're, they're, there's a, a temple sanctimonious aspect of being a Levite. That you could, anywhere you go in your culture, everybody knows that's a Levite. Like he's one of the top ones. And he came from a Levite family. It's so interesting that he decided to set aside his temple background or use it and transform his temple background to taking the temple to the street, going as a Jesus person to bring the love of God to anybody and everybody he could meet. So he went from like being the insider of insider to going to, do you know where he went? He went to Antioch. The church of Antioch is in Turkey. He went to go to these Turkish people who weren't Jewish, didn't pray and act like like Jewish people, and he went to the biggest outsiders and affirmed them. He didn't disgrace them. That's who Barnabas was. That's part of his story. He left his Jewish heritage to go minister to the Gentiles. How cool is that? Um, In Acts 24, it says this, he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Like he transformed people. He was a leader who helped people transform. He was an encourager. Barnabas, the encourager. And it says he was a good man, full of the Spirit and faith. I want to just kind of pull back religious veils, like a religious block for many of us, a religious wall. Many of us will think, that being spiritual and filled with the Spirit and filled with faith means that we have to know a lot about the Bible. And the Bible's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But we have to know a lot about the Bible, that we, you know, we, we come to church and we do church things. And, we, and like religion is this really, 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 really important thing. And that like if we can parse the verbs of Hebrew and Greek and I'm, a, and I'm a really good pastor if, if I do that and tell people how all the, you know, the, 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 the little minutiae of the Bible is like super religious and that's spirit-filled. And, and believe me, those things can be good things. But what does it say, why does it say that he was filled with the Spirit and faith? Because he could see the grace of God and embrace it and be glad. Friends, we're not going to be a spiritual or spirit-filled church with faith-filled people if we can't draw out the grace of God in each other.
That's a real religious community. That's the spirit at work. We see God's goodness and we affirm it. We say yes to it. We empower it. We love it. We don't fall in love with the Bible. We don't fall in love with religious things. We don't fall in love with our routines. We fall in love with God and his people and we draw out their gifts. Can I get an amen? So here's my invitation today. Would you this week in your quiet time or on your drive to work or whatever, would you think through the most important people in your life that you love? Would you think of their top strengths, their gifts, their graces, their top two or three, and tell them? Tell them this week. Your spouse. And my wife, she's an amazing organizer. She's an amazing planner. My life would be a mess without her. And I, I, I have to tell her, thank you for keeping my head on straight. And then I like to give her a big kiss because I want her to know that I mean it. And I like kissing my wife. Some of you husbands, you need to kiss your wives more. We want to build each other up, right? This week at work, in your family, and in your church family. Who can you encourage and, and tell them? You see the strength, say the strength. That's what I want to see. Let's grow in that as a church family. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Help us to be an encouraging family. Help us to see. Lord, I just, I, I ask that if people were to come to this church, they would say that this is the church of Barnabas. This is the church of encouragement. It's not the church of religion. It's not the church of ritual. It's not the church of just going through the motions. We are a church that sees the grace of God and are glad. We embrace it. We empower it. God, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you fill us with faith in the eyes to see the gifts in others, to appreciate it, not be envious of it, to be glad and grateful? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.